Hi there, everyone. Welcome to Article 23. This is your podcast all about work. Uh, I'm James Hancock. I'm uh, running the Moi business over here in the US on the eve of Thanksgiving. Uh, and as always, I'm joined by Rhonda Brighton-Hall, our CEO and co-founder. How are you, Rhonda? I'm great. Thanks, James. Great to see you and happy Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. I'm excited to eat turkey, which isn't a favourite, but I'll get there. But they do it well, though. I know, and we've got some buddies across the hall that are going to do it great, but we're also, I'm excited to try sweet potatoes with marshmallow. Oh my goodness. I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> I, I feel it might be a trick, but I have it on good information. You may have been tricked in your time in the US about Thanksgiving, or at least tried to. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'll leave, that, I'll leave that for the listeners to try and determine. Later. We, lo we love Thanksgiving and every year that we were in the Chicago area, we had a family, friends, neighbours who invited us in and included us in their family. So it's, it is a very, very intimate, beautiful time for families in America and to be included in it is a bit of a gift. So enjoy. I agree. And I, yeah, I was talking. And report to back on the marshmallow, sweet potato <laughs> thing. I love sweet potatoes and marshmallows. I just never thought to put them together. I agree. I agree totally. So when we could make, I think we could make a podcast about sweet potatoes and <laughs> and also family and also time together and Thanksgiving. And we'll probably touch that in the topic we want to talk about today. We want to talk about this idea of cycles, phases of COVID-19. And we, you've coined an amazing phrase for it after a team conversation on it and, and put more thinking around it together. What are we going to call this COVID phases and how people have handled it? it there's actually, there's four phases. And so we're thinking through what that looked like and how we've seen it come to life. And then the term I've come up with, and it's not perfect, but it's the best I can do at the moment. We've just called it the COVID quadrilla. There's something about this four different things coming together and how are they playing out for the future? You know, to your point, would you bet on it? <laughs> so yeah, I loved that. It just got me thinking of horse racing. I don't know because, yeah, I'm not really an avid gambler or an avid uh, horse No, and I, I think gambler. I've been to horse races like three times in my whole life and I'm not really a horse racing sort of person and I, I quite like horses, but I'm a bit afraid of them and, yeah. Yeah, but I think what I do know about those ideas of quadrilla, quinella, those different things is you're looking at the combinations and how they fit together and I think that that ignoring any of the gambling speak parlay yeah. about uh, we're definitely thinking about the language but the phases and the um, behaviors the thinking the emotion the understanding of uh, situations for people at work yeah uh, going through COVID and and so on and so forth yeah and I think James the the sort of the ones that we're talking about uh, media um, and the conversation societally or broadly at the moment tend to be a bit laggard to the companies or organizations or leaders or employees who are really on the front foot and I yep. think that's why this fourth stage is pretty quiet but my goodness the examples we've seen of that in the last couple of months are just remarkable and I think they're worth sharing because I think they give people a degree of optimism and possibility so let's go through the fourth stages and just talk them through let's go for it so what's the first phase first phase is, is responsive reactive we had this you know, we're all sitting at our desks and all of a sudden we're vaguely talking about a virus that's over in Wuhan and next thing you know, Italy is in trouble and next thing you know, we're packing our desks and going home. And we all went home really fast and we set up our desks at home. We might have bought a monitor online on the way and we did it. We were gone. 
So that's the first one. I remember that phase well, responsive, reactive. We'll come back to them, but let's go through the four. Responsive, reactive. Second one is this adaptive, creative phase. Yeah, I think it's adaptive, creative, where people said, okay, what we were doing in the past, we're not able to do right now. What else can we do? Yep. Third one, proactive. That's when people started getting proactive about it. They started to say, actually, this is not just adapting for a moment in time. This is longer term changes, fundamental shifts, things that we relied on are gone. We need to be more proactive about rethinking ourselves, our work and our business in the future. So we called it proactive. Yeah, I like that one. It makes good sense to me. And what about the fourth one? The fourth one at the moment is called iterative. And the reason it is, is because it's this stage that really good organizations, and we've got a number of our clients already in this stage and we're supporting them through it, is they're saying, everything's changed. So let's sort of lock in a bit of a possibility, but let's be open to the fact that new opportunities, new challenges, new ideas will come our way at speed. And we have to have some way of being able to grab them quickly, not waiting until they're upon us. So it's almost like, you know, if you can hack through the jargon of workshops of experts and things with agile, iterative is in there, but this is applying iterative to strategy and that's quite unique. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And yeah, the, I think even the, you know, the labels we put on these are uh, arbitrary, but I think it's what's behind them and the thinking and the conversation and kind of understanding the emotion that's important. Yeah. If we were, if we were to kind of play back through them, let's go into a bit more detail on each one. I think that makes good sense. The first one, responsive, reactive. What did we see? You mentioned, you know, we were turning on the news or listening to the radio, however we're getting our, our news source and hearing about something happening in Wuhan, obviously from Australia, that's not so far away. In the US, it's a little further away, but we're hearing about something sort of happening over there and we're sort of monitoring it and increasingly monitoring it, but it felt a little removed for a while, didn't it? Uh, yeah, in it, it, it did feel because it, I mean, a lot of Australians have traveled to China. I've certainly been to China and worked in China a number of times and I love it and it's great. And, and all of a sudden, but Wuhan's not a city you normally go to. It's quite an unusual city. And okay. so when they started describing, well, where is Wuhan? We had to go for the map. So it did feel a distance away. Yeah. And then sort of, I think, uh, you know, you get more, as you said, moving into Italy and other parts of uh, of the map of the globe, if you like, you started getting this kind of shock, scared, people started labeling things as well differently, like this is a virus like this, or this is coronavirus novel, which means we, when I hear the word novel, I think it's something we haven't seen before, we don't know, that means it makes me scared, I'm uncertain about it, um, I don't know what's going to happen next, I feel like I understand why you'd label it, the right, you know, medical yeah. term. Um, yeah. But then we start hearing pandemic or epidemic or medical emergency or anything like that cause a bit of panic naturally, right? Yeah, I think Italy, New York, these were cities we also knew. It's the same as if China had said it's in Shanghai or Beijing or Xi'an. We were like, oh my goodness, we've been there. We know those cities. But we do yeah. know Italy and we do know New York and we knew what that looked like. So it was felt much closer. And then, of course, you know, this realisation that this is a global issue and we all need to be together on it to try and solve it. So... I think there was this reactive piece, but I think we responded to it pretty well. I mean, we packed up our bags and um, companies were saying, and we need policies on it, we need safety, we need to share our office and socially distance and all these sort of things. But generally speaking, we responded pretty well. We all packed up when I'm go, okay, we're done. Which is effectively like, as you said, it's like safety, security, survival. We started talking about that, like as, as we were reading, you know, hearing it, seeing it blow by blow, we started thinking about like going back to base needs like Maslow, Make yeah. sure you've got the, you know, the absolutely foundations that you need. And 
in a way, even though it's, um, you know, been the case of a thousand memes uh, of toilet paper or of canned soup or whatever else of raw dry pasta kind of stuff. The reality is that's kind of it playing out, which is let's make sure I'm, you know, we're set up with what we need if we have the availability to do so and the access and the privilege to do so, but it's like, let's get set up. Uh, this is kind of our emergency response. And we did, I think a pretty good job. I, I think we did do a good job. And I think the only thing that I think back to, and I can remember you and I having a conversation with a really cool client that we adore, both of us adore. And they were sort of saying, how long do you think it will last? And because we're both pretty data geeky, I just went to the last time we had a pandemic and I said, well, the Spanish flu was seven years. So, you know, maybe this one will be shorter because we're better at medical and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, let's not get carried away that it's going to be a couple of months. Yeah, yeah, that's big. And that's like a very market-driven seven years as well. Like I think it ups and downs of markets. I'm like, ah, okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so we did well there. We responded as we could. On the second one, adaptive creative, what do we start doing there? What do we start seeing from people and organizations? Well, I think we started to see things that we we could understand. Okay, I've got myself organized. I might need to look out for my neighborhood. You know, I can see my local restaurant can't open anymore and it's locked down. So can I order takeaway from them? And we saw cocktails coming to our house in jars and things like that. You know, I've got kids of that age, so <laughs> I know that fairly. Um, and then we started growing our own vegetables and we started being cute about it at home. And businesses started saying, what else could we do? But we still saw right through this adaptive stage, we still saw the language of competition it was a very, um, with all due respect, uh, it was quite a masculine language of like, you know, we're better at adapting, we're going to adapt the longest, no one's ever going to work in office and ever again, and very dramatic and competitive sort of statements, that very good at being adaptive or good at reacting to it. And I think that that sort of, created a bit of competition so people couldn't say the things they probably needed to say at this stage, which was things like isolation is pretty tough. Well-being will be impacted. And we all knew that, but we weren't talking about it as much as we should. And that's only really a common, I mean, even at this stage, we started hearing things like diversity and inclusion is dead. And, and we're never going to look at it again. It's not important. But the really good employers were saying it's never been more important. And what we're seeing as COVID goes around the world, it is, is when your society is unequal, then you can't keep the rest of society safe. And so diversity inclusion is more important than ever. And we now can see it really, really clearly as we adapt, we have to adapt for everybody and find more equal routes to the future. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that competitive one is so interesting. I'm reflecting on it and nodding that people listening can't see, but <laughs> we, we get the examples of big companies that are, you know, rising above through the pandemic and you're like, well, but are we doing it together? And if so, how much? And, you know, we need to be doing that better. I think that's interesting. I, I like, and I think it's always good for us to have little examples. You mentioned like the takeaway store with the cocktails in jars that maybe uh, daughters would have been having, but, you know, we would have drunk it out of a glass, but hey, I'll drink it out of a jar. <laughs> <laughs> we went for that, but I, I, love, I love the little alcohol companies around Philly and in the States that started making hand sanitizer. That's my yeah, favorite that, that was example. Another they a great early. example. <laughs> a I great just example. I thought it was, was so good. And their ability to mobilize with a whiteboard and a few willing people uh, with PPE equipment kind of going to do that as a as a pivot for their business was pretty cool. Uh, cool to see. And yeah, da dangerous because it smelled great. But um, yeah, very good, <laughs> very good uh, high alcohol content. I think you sent me a hand sanitizer that was gin flavored. 
I think I did, but I'm not sure any of it went to your hands. But I'm hoping, yeah. hoping that <laughs> you wiped it on your hands. You think, oh my god, have I spilled gin all over my desk? It's very odd. <laughs> Uh, have you been no i haven't been drinking at work it's the hand sanitizer <laughs> uh, that's good i'm glad uh, so that's adaptive creative uh what about this proactive phase what happened here how did that look what was the thinking around that well i think the proactive stage is where sort of the middle level of companies is now moving to fairly quickly but the really early adopters into proactive were back in april sort of april may these are people who as we went into lockdown were already thinking more thoughtfully about what was possible and I think what they we saw them doing and what we obviously supported them to do was to look at the trends that have been coming at us for 15 years and say, these things have just gone on steroids, but they're actually been coming for 15 years, flexible work, part-time work, portfolio, et cetera, et cetera. So this is not new. And we sort of said, this is how it's going to be. So ca capturing those things, but then looking at what lessons we were learning that were new, asking people to get involved in that. The term that we gave a lot of this was co-creation. I think you came up with it, James. And it's a really great term to say, what do we want to hang on to from the past? What do we want that's new? What lessons can we take? And how can we proactively think of a new way of setting ourselves up? And this new way of working was obviously something, you know, people like us have been talking about for years, but it's it's here now and it's, it's come at a speed and people are actually going, actually, it's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't no, really need eight policies to work from home. I was fine. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think people went to policies and settings and what they know, and it makes sense. Uh, I love the data approach to that. Of course, we mentioned that. But I also think we started talking here about um, we can't think that. I, my reflection on this uh, and even thinking about things like personality, it sounds unusual. Is like, and we've referenced this ourselves, is like as an extrovert, this is like torture. And as an introvert, you know, working from home and stuff feels so cool, uh, but to generalize for a second, but um, I think the reality is we're going to need some sort of hybrid approach to this, uh, not only because of the pandemic, but because that makes sense to people in how they like to work. Yeah. Right? It makes sense with their life. And you're right. This is just like a, a forced way to put our foot down on what was already happening. I, I think that I went back to my notes on this one, which was really interesting. There was a COO that we work with who's fabulous. And what yeah. she said in April, April, so it was still in lockdown, right? And what mm -hmm. she said was, everybody's talking about how efficient it is to work by yourself in your house, but work's not transactional. It's much more complicated and we interact with each other and we play a role in each other's work. We don't just do our piece, put it back on the assembly line. We actually are interacting, whether it be a next generation person you're teaching, whether it be you are the next generation person and you're learning, um, whether it be someone who's come from another industry, all these lessons of learning, collaboration, new ideas, new perspectives, adding in a perspective, if you're working by yourself, they're all lost. And so I think in this sort of co-creation stage, there's also this deeper understanding that we do impact each other. And that connection is not just a one-way thing, I need connection, but actually I need to be generous about it as well. I'm actually impacting other people. And I think it was became a very thoughtful conversation at this point for the really forward-thinking sort of companies. And then, of course, we've moved into this fourth stage, which is the one that we've watched for the last couple of months. And I think it's very exciting. Yeah. So what happens in this sort of iterative phase? Like, what's it going to look like? How I think in the iterative stage, people are saying that lots of things that have been unquestioned for the longest, longest time are up for question. Things that, you know, we've gone through this patch where we're being really challenged on all sorts of things that we held as the pillars of how we have to work. And all of a sudden, they're gone. So now they're going, okay. We got rid of those things that we thought we had to have. What else have we got that we've thought we had to have that we could change? So they're starting to question things and challenge things. 
But I think for me, the, the way to look at it, it's the way they're writing strategies. And we spoke to a CEO of an architectural firm last week on this exact topic and a secretary of a government department. So two totally different examples. But what they're actually doing is they're saying, okay, we can take these opportunities that we never thought we'd have in the past to move these agendas forward in a really great way to be better for our, com for our company, but even more so for our employees to be a better place to work, a better place to contribute to, not physical, but a better yep. place. Yep. But we can also start to look at opportunities that might come up and wouldn't it be great if we we're constantly scanning and there was these ideas that, or options that we've never thought we'd have and all of a sudden they present, could we move our strategy forward that fast? and start to really put it forward in a really great way. And I think that's an iterative strategy. It's not like, here is my strategy, this is the first 12 months. It's, here is my ideas and strategy, first three months of action, then let's look at what other opportunities we've got. It's very short. Yeah, and I think if you're getting the right connectivity, the right sense of, uh, of belonging and how people are coming together and that safety uh, to do stuff, in, in you mentioned iterative as like an agile or design thinking type principle and I agree another one that's always referenced when you talk about innovation is constraint and ultimately even though it's horrible to put it like this a pandemic is a pretty good constraint <laughs> to be able to do stuff and it's a shared constraint it's not like hey Rhonda your constraint is a and mine is b and here's c that's useful too but it's like for the most part we all have this common constraint and so it does give us this setting, a leveling, whatever you want to call that. I don't know the right way to put it. Um, but yeah, constraint is a, is a great factor of innovation. And we unfortunately have this one. And um, your, ex your expertise in that field, John, constantly learning from it. But it's, it, it also is this element of the difference a leader can make. If you've got a leader that right now can say, I'm open and I'm really looking for different ideas, different possibilities, and they can come from everyone in the team and everybody feels confident to do it. You've got people who've had really good ideas while saying, um, well, I'll throw this one out. And if they're throwing them out, they could be the game changer for you. And, and to able to curate those, um, yep. I think is incredibly exciting. Yeah. So let's quickly recap the big four uh, and everyone should uh, look out for Rhonda's awesome article this week as well on the COVID quadrilla. The four that we have were responsive, reactive, yep. adaptive, creative, proactive and recurate or iterate, be iterative in this. What about what can people take home? If you're a leader, we were talking about it just before, you know, this year has been extremely challenging, tiring, emotionally draining, like you can use, we could use many words and talk about this a lot. Yeah. Um, what, what, you know, at the end of the year, on the eve of Thanksgiving with Christmas around the corner, um, back <laughs> home, hmm. what, what can leaders, what can people in organisations do looking into, you know, a whole new year? Yeah, I've thought about, I've thought about this so much because like, you know, you're a co-founder too, we know what this is like and um, I'm, I'm tired. Like I'm tired. It's been a really big year. It's, it's like, whew, we, we've done really well, but gee, it was, you know, we had to work hard to create the energy and momentum that the business needed to get, to get through this in a great way. And we did it. But the reality is that all your team and every person on your team, every employee that we speak to and the groups that we work with, they're tired too. And I think this is going to be a massive moment for the next couple of weeks as we head into December is that if leaders have got, running on fumes a little bit, but finding just an essence of energy or anything they can do to make a position to set their team up 
so that people are walking away to this reflective Christmas period, which everybody always sits on the couch and goes, okay, I'm going to think about my new year, what's, what's important, what's on. If they can give their employees some point of this is where we're going, this is the sorts of things we're going to do, this is how I want your involvement, I very much appreciate your lessons and learning. If you can set that conversation up brilliantly to start to co-curate and think more thoughtfully, ready for the new year, People can reflect and put their energy into that as opposed to feeling some of the despair that anyone would feel if they were just watching the news. So there is a definite role for leaders to take the next couple of weeks to be talking about a repositioning of the new year as a possible potential great year as opposed to a let's all just collapse. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit of R&R, rest and reimagine. Rest and reimagine would be a really great term. There you go, you little yeah. marketing guy. <laughs> I'm just going to go do some marketing. <laughs> I've got a whiteboard and some post-it notes. So, <laughs> rest and reimagination is a great theme. I think that it's just such a it's there's so many um, possibilities at the moment where the old ways of doing things have just been abandoned. People open for new ways, new ways of thinking about things give people that opportunity, find the energy to get out there and talk to your team, find the energy to restate how you're going to set up 2021. And I think yep. then people will use their energy to come back into it in a great way. Yeah. And if there's any leader, any person out there that wants a hand on this, it will be energizing and, uh, and great for you. And it will energize us to hear about how you're tackling it and your ideas from you and your team. Just get in touch at team at moi.live. Uh, we'd love to hear from you in this uh, wrap up to the year and position you beautifully for the year ahead next year into 2021. I agree. We have got so much energy this year from being able to work with people who are thinking differently about the world. Um, it's just like, it's awesome. So hopefully that will continue into 2021 and there'll be more and more people who get on board with that as opposed to just still reacting and staying in the reactive phase. Yeah. Lovely to see you, James. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. <laughs> Big more from us. <laughs> more from us. Bye.